0: Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings us his message entitled, Jesus, the Narrow Door. But before we get into that message, here is today's special feature, which comes from Jesus, the Divider. Here now is our speaker and teacher for A Word from the Lord, Dr. Foley Beach. Basically,
1: there are five different ways that we see peace used in the Bible. An attribute of God a fruit of the Holy Spirit, that inner peace, a state of mind, a condition of your heart, an absence of conflict, whether it's between people or nations or individuals, and then being in right relationship with God through Jesus. So back to this passage. So what is Jesus getting at here? Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. It's my humble opinion that Jesus is saying here, do you think that I came to bring absence of conflict on the earth? No. I tell you, but division. Eugene Peterson in his version of the Bible called The Message translates the the verse this way. Do you think that I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and confront. Yes, he wants us to have peace with God, being reconciled with Him. Yes, He wants us to have peace with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that indwelling peace. Yes, he wants us to be at peace with our brother and our sister. But when you lift him up, when you stand up for him, there is going to be division. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I've told you these things, so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In him we do have peace, but when we go about doing what he asks us and we stand for the gospel, it creates division. We experience tribulation. I think Jesus is describing a natural phenomenon in the kingdom, and he doesn't want his followers to be deceived and thinking there will never be a cost. When you take a stand on the gospel, there will be division. When you don't go along with the crowd, there will be division. Many of you have vividly lived out what Jesus was teaching in this passage. Families divided, friends divided, churches divided. You've taken a stand for the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ and you've lived this passage. Friends have not understood you. Friends have ridiculed you. Family members have said things which hurt you've experienced persecution and division which has cost you. Now some would say that this is just a normal reaction to any change. But I think what Jesus is saying here is that there will be those when you stand up for Him and when you stand up for His teaching and the reality of the gospel, there will be some people who won't tolerate it. They will not sit quietly and let you obey God. They'll come after you. A Muslim who decides to follow Jesus must do so in secret or risk being killed or treated as dead by his family. Friends who are sharing the gospel with Muslims in the Middle East tell me that they're continuing to do incredible things and see an incredible response, but that new believers have to keep it secret in the closet in order to stay alive and make disciples. What happens in some churches when someone discovers Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, they interrupt the status quo. Someone gets fired up for the Lord, and they begin to talk about it, and the next thing you know, there's division. A real problem here in the South is what's called cultural Christianity. You know what that is. Everyone seems to go to church. It's the social and political thing to do. Although in studies of the counties that you all live in, Over 70% of the people where you live don't go to church. Anyway, cultural Christianity, you meet someone new, you ask their name, you ask where they work, and what's the next question? Where do you go to church? (laughs) But cultural Christianity can kill real Christianity. The personal relationship with Jesus gets lost. People get wrapped up in all the programs of the church or the color of the choir robes or the way the pews are padded or what happened to the picture of Grandma Bertha out in the foyer? church is no longer about knowing jesus and sharing jesus but about all these things the church should be doing or not doing and then all of a sudden someone gets turned on to god they come to know the lord they get filled with the holy spirit they get so excited they can't keep it to themselves all of a sudden the music isn't just a hymn or a song it's an intimate expression of worship all of a sudden prayers aren't just wasted space and time they be meaningful dialogues and communications with God and all of a sudden the sermon isn't just about a cute story the pastor told or how funny he or she is it's about being taught the word of God and it's a meaning and application for one's life is Jesus saying that division is good no I don't think so because of his teaching from John 17 that we'd all be one I think he's saying that division is inevitable because we're human Although he's the prince of peace, and the peace he gives my soul and spirit, I wouldn't trade for anything. He's saying that his ways will not always be our ways, and they'll not always lead to peace in this world. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. When you and I stand for him, there's usually tribulation. You think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Now, our passage this morning ends with Jesus saying to pay attention to what God is up to. Verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see the clouds... Rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? In the context of that passage, Jesus was fulfilling His prophesied purpose on earth. At that point, He was transitioning from just being a good teacher and a healer to pointing toward the cross. But no one understood it. They could not read the signs. What about us? Can we read the signs of what God is up to in our world, in our time? Can we tell what God is doing in our country? What about our church? Can we tell what he's doing? Am I a part of what God is doing? Or am I reacting to what God is doing, creating conflict and division? You see, I don't know about you, but I try to follow the Lord. But sometimes I can mess it. I get wrapped up in my agenda, my way of doing things, and I miss God. And sometimes the people in the church do the same thing. The Lord begins to to lead or to direct. And we're over here just, you know, trucking away, doing our own thing. And we miss God. We miss the Holy Spirit. And we create division.
0: That was Dr. Foley Beach with today's special feature, Jesus the Divider. Here now is Dr. Beach with today's message, Jesus the Narrow Door.
1: In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Years ago I was friends with a a young couple and we did lots of things together and go out to eat and went on some trips together and soon came time to where they got engaged to be married. And I didn't get an invitation to the wedding. And I remember thinking, well, it must have gotten lost in the mail. And then I kind of graduated to a point where there must be a mistake. But then it came time for the wedding. I felt kind of hurt. Because I was left out. And then I got a little angry. I can't believe they didn't invite me to the wedding. (laughs) And then I came to a realization. was, I guess I didn't know them as well as I thought I knew them. And I guess they didn't know me as well as I thought they knew me. This morning's gospel... It speaks of an invitation of a much more serious nature, an invitation to be a part of the kingdom of God. Please open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse 22. Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse 22. Verse 22, we see Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. This was toward the end of his ministry, and his ministry had transitioned. And everything was now pointing toward Jerusalem. And what was going to happen in Jerusalem? He was going to have a confrontation again with the religious leaders. He was going to celebrate Passover there. He was going to institute the Lord's Supper, which we remember every Sunday. And then he was going to die on the cross for our sins. And three days later in Jerusalem, then he was resurrected from the dead. And then 40 days later, he ascended into glory. Verse 23, someone comes and asks the question. (laughs) Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? What was asked, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved, be made whole? Are only a few people going to get in? Are only a few people going to inherit salvation? What was meant by the question was, are only a few of us Jews going to make it to heaven? See, they had a mindset, as many people in the church often get a mindset, that that it's all about us. But God's picture is much bigger than us. And then Jesus responds, verse 24... He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. Jesus speaks of a narrow door, or some translations say a straight gate. The King James Version says it this way, Strive to enter at the straight gate, For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. It's a narrow door. It's a straight gate. Now, I know in our world today in which we live, this bothers a lot of people. That it's a narrow door. That it's a straight gate. But these are the words of Jesus. He says, make every effort. Strive. Do everything you know in your power. Make every effort to enter in. And then he says, but not all will enter in. At some point, the door is going to be closed. And as much as we hear in our world again, and even some people in parts of the church say, everybody's going to make it. Again, it's not the words of Jesus. Not everybody will get in. Now, it's not that he doesn't want everybody to get in. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Again, in 1 Peter 2, verse 3 and 4, the apostle writes, This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. It's not that He doesn't want everyone to be saved. It's just that some people won't come to Him. They don't want to be saved. Or at least they don't want to be saved the way God invites people to be saved. The question was asked, are only a few people going to be saved? Jesus is not saying that that it's only going to be a few people. He says that the time is, is few. The minutes are few. The hours are few. The days are few. Not the people. Jesus says it a different way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. It's like an interstate highway. Lots of folks going that way. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the road. It's like a mountain path because only a few are willing to travel. Then we see the responses of the people that don't get in. In verse 25, we see pleading. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. Sir, open the door for us. Pleading, begging. Open up, please. And look at his response. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. You can plead all you want. But it's too late. But then they begin to remind him, verse 26. They're reminding him. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. We ate and drank with you. We came to your table. We were active in your church. We served you. We did all these things. Then look at his response, verse 27. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. And then we see there'll be weeping, verse 28. There will be weeping there. This is the word for wailing Intense sorrow, intense hurt. Just to hear the word makes me want to cry. Weeping. And then he says there'll be gnashing of teeth. That's hostility. Anger. You ever been so angry you start grinding your teeth? That's what that's about. Hostility. Then we see that those who enter by the narrow door, verse 28 there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see abraham isaac and jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of god but you yourselves thrown out you go to hebrews chapter 11 you'll see a whole list of a lot of the old testament saints and the prophets all those who walked with god who had faith in him who trusted him who did his will and then he, we also see that the Jews and the Gentiles from all over the world will come. People will come, verse 29. People will come from east and west and north and south. Can you see that picture? They're coming from all directions. And will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. So those who were to come to him by faith, they come from everywhere. And there's this feast, incredible feast, As we know some other places in the Bible, we're told it's a wedding feast. It's a great celebration. And what we do every Sunday when we remember Jesus' death on the cross, when we have communion, we're also looking ahead to that feast we're going to have with Him one day. So what is the narrow door? All these people are going to get in through the narrow door. What is the narrow door? Jesus is the narrow door jesus is the door and the gate by which men must enter the kingdom of god in john chapter 10 verse 9 jesus says i am the gate whoever enters through me will be saved he will come in and go out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i have come that they might have life and have it to the fullness I am the gate, he says. The King James Version says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's interesting, just a little play on the words here. The King James, in in the text that we're studying in Luke chapter 13, uses the word, I am the gate, the straight gate. And then in this passage, it switches to the door. The NIV, which we've been using, starts with the door and and uses the word gate. Jesus is the narrow gate. Now, I know that this sounds so narrow-minded, so simplistic in our pluralistic world in which we live, but this is the gospel. We can't do it by these other methods, these other ways. It's through Jesus Christ and him alone that we are able to be saved and enter in. Lord, are only a few going to be saved? Oh, that he would want that everyone would be saved. But Jesus is too much for some people. And for some people, Jesus is not enough. They have to want to do and do and do. I began by telling you about a story of not getting invited to the wedding. Well, I may not have been invited to my friend's wedding, but because of Jesus... I'll be invited to the wedding feast in the kingdom. My name is in the book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And I have an invitation. And I have a seat at the table. A skier was out skiing. Was wonderful ski conditions. And he came to a place and there were some signs posted that said, Do not in- enter avalanche area. But he looked ahead and he saw such wonderful powder undisturbed. They said, I've just got to do this. And so he didn't pay attention to the warning signs. And what did he do? He went and skied and just his little, little movement created an avalanche and he was swept away. He didn't heed the warnings. The owner of the mountain didn't want anybody to perish. That's why he put the warning signs up. The owner of the mountain did all he knew to do to protect people. But the man didn't listen. The man didn't heed the warning. I wonder how many of us would fall in that condition. God loves us. He's done all that he knows to do to get our attention. But we won't heed the warning. We won't pay attention to the sign. And we keep on doing things our way and living life our way. You know, the best part of all this is you and I get to go help other people find the door. That's what he's given us to do. This is a wonderful message. I mean, some oftentimes we hear this in fear and we think, oh, my goodness, I hope I get in and all of that. But no, because we are in, he gives us the privilege of helping others find the door, find Jesus. And that's my challenge to you this morning. Do we just come to church, enjoy, and then go out and do our own thing? Or do we come to church, worship Him, get equipped, and then we go out and help other people find the door? Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, the angel speaks in the vision, and he says, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Amen.
0: Was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit a word from the lord.org There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. AWordFromTheLord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit a word from the lord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at Foley Beach at foleybeachatawordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is Foley Beach at foleybeachatawordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.